This week, let's talk about Opto Members, an app-based content community for financial services professionals. My guest is one of the founders of Opto Members, Lee Robertson, and this is episode 269 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This podcast is all about keeping marketing simple and all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a professional speaker and consultant from Edinburgh. Talk to me if you want to cut the complexity and the BS from your marketing strategy. Hello and welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you, as always, for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time to plugging me and my guests into your earphones. Listen, if you enjoy the Marketing and Finance Podcast and you want to help support the show, please buy my book. It's called Cats, Mats and Marketing Plans, and it's all about putting together a simple marketing strategy and then keeping your strategy simple as your business grows. If you fancy buying it, head over to rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash book. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash book. And you'll find the links you need to buy in paperback from Amazon or Amazon Kindle edition. Now, we don't talk about memberships that often on the Marketing and Finance podcast. So I thought it'd be a good idea to zero in on a membership which is really working well in financial services at the moment. A lot of memberships are based on membership software. Some of them are paid, some of them are free, some of them are based on Facebook groups. The odd one, I guess, might be based on LinkedIn groups. Octo stands out because it is app-based. It's also content-based as well, and it's doing extremely well and is very, very popular. So I'm absolutely delighted to welcome one of the founders, Lee Robertson, onto the Marketing and Finance podcast to give us a really deep dive into how he came up with the idea for the app and how it's growing and how it's become so successful. So let's get straight into that interview with Lee right here on the Marketing and Finance podcast. Lee Robertson, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Uh, thank you very much. Nice nice to catch up with you, Roger. Lee, where are we Zooming each other from? Now, of course, I'm up in Edinburgh. Uh, I'm in Hove, uh, down on the south coast of England, despite being a Scot originally, of course. Yeah, of course. That's interesting. I'm an Englishman in Scotland with an English accent. And you're a Scotsman in England with a Scots accent. Just, just a quick uh, uh, apology. It is blowing an absolute gale up here in Scotland today, and I can feel the wind hammering against the outside of the house. So if you can hear this in my microphone, then apologies. I'll try my best to uh, do something with it in post-production. Now, Lee, you are the creator of a very interesting community in the financial services industry called Octo Members. And it's an app-based community, which is really interesting in itself. Uh, so I'd really like to dig into today how you came up with the idea and how it developed. But maybe before we get to that, Lee, give the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast a little bit of background about yourself, where you came from, how your career developed, and basically what makes Lee Robertson tick. Yeah, sure. Crikey, that's a big question. Um, grew up in Scotland, in the northeast of Scotland, a very small town uh, called Brecon. Uh, joined the Royal Navy at 16, did almost 10 years there, and then fell into financial services, like so many of my generation, fell into financial services. I was waiting to join a civil service department, 
but they were mucking around on start dates and I'd rent to pay and that kind of stuff. So I fell into financial services, did direct sales for a year, uh, then went mortgage broking, then went bank assurance and then went independent. And then probably I'm maybe if I'm known at all, I'm best known for being the founder and chief exec of Investment Quorum, which I sold to the rest of the team about two and a half years ago to set up Octo. Yeah. And what was your speciality as a, as an advisor? Obviously, you went through the the uh, the mortgage route first, etc. But when you were a financial advisor, were you focusing on investment, savings, pensions, protection, or was it a, a, a general approach? Yeah, I mean, I would say general. I mean, interestingly, I, I think every career is iterative. You know, things change. So, as 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 you rightly say. I went through the whole range of it, really, apart from being, I guess, that traditional life core training. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was a generalist financial planner. I, I wouldn't have called myself that back in the early days. I was a financial advisor. Um, but then, as, as I guess, as careers progress, you get that way. I mean, Investment Quorum was a financial planning-led, discretionary-permissioned advisor. And by the time I sold, we'd over a quarter of a billion of assets um, under management. But we were still very, very much financial planning-led generalist. We had pension transfer permissions back then. I don't know about now because so many people have given those up. Um, So in effect, we had lots and lots of financial planning clients who didn't have investments with us, but we had no investment clients who didn't have financial planning. We were very definitely financial planning led, despite the fact that some people thought we were quite investment focus because of the fact we discretionary permissions so you were you had the had this company and and as you said you sold it and then you developed the octo membership had it always been in your mind to create something like octo or did this come about by coincidence was there a light bulb moment and you thought this is something that needs to be done a, a, a gap that needs to be filled yeah that's a really good question and it it there wasn't a light bulb moment as such, but I guess it's probably worth saying that I've I've always been a curious soul. Clive Waller describes me as such, and, and I think curious as in curiosity rather than um, a bit of an oddball. <laughs> and and, and I, I've always been interested in our whole financial services ecosystem. Mm. So I tended to socialize with fund sales guys and, and you know marketing people and people from across the piece as opposed to purely financial planners. And... I also spoke at conferences. I won awards. I judged on awards and still do. I, um, uh, you know, I appeared on TV. There was all sorts of stuff that I was doing, which made me, I guess, have a profile of sorts, which meant I was on everyone's mailing list. And of course, mm. pre-GDPR, you really were on everyone's mailing list. Yeah. Well, I was kind of drowning in content and and emails and invitations and, and all this kind of stuff. And we, and you know this because of your background, Roger, you know, everyone is now a content producer. Everyone is a publisher now of one form or another. Everyone is a blogger, even if it's just Twitter and microblogging. So I was on everyone's main list and I was drowning, drowning in stuff. And I, when I looked at it, I thought some of it's interesting, some of it's average and some of it's downright unuseful and horrible. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if, if, if we could create a steady stream of really good, high-quality, user-generated content where, where the system was helping the system, where members could help members, where, where I could ask a question and my peer group could answer that question with their knowledge and their experience. So that's where the idea sort of came from. It was an itch that I had, that I was drowning in content, some of it quite, quite weak, and much of it just shoved at me because it had been paid for content and things. So that's where Octo, that was the original idea. And I, and I was really fortunate that... that my co-founder, Andy Brown, um, 
who who ran the Mighty Proof Fund. You know, so he was from the investment community. I was from the financial planning community. He was of a similar kind of ilk. And we, when I sort of pitched the idea to him, he really got it. He helped us refine it, and we decided to to, to bring it out. Um, to see how it went. And, and we had no huge ambitions for it, but, you know, we seem to be doing okay. And one of the things that I find really interestingly, and, and I remember when Octo was launched, and I found it intriguing that it was actually an app that you download and you have on your on your mobile device, as opposed to a route that a lot of people take when they start putting together memberships, and, and I use memberships in inverted commas there, they tend to look at either proper membership type platforms, um, software, or they look at Facebook groups or or even LinkedIn groups, although most LinkedIn groups are, are like deserts, aren't they? So what made you decide to go down the route of an app as opposed to effectively doing um, what other people have done? Lots of reasons. One, one of them uh, is laziness in, in that um, your phone is always there. It takes, it takes a microsecond to boot up your phone to, to tap an app symbol as opposed to switching on a laptop or a, or a desktop and having it boot up. I mean, it's probably worth saying Octo is available on desktop and I use both. But but the, the idea for it being app-based, if you're moving around, if you're commuting, if you're on a train, if you're wherever, you know, waiting in a dentist's waiting room and you just want to catch up with what your peers are doing, wouldn't it be great to just have it on your phone there and then? Because people don't carry laptops around with them in the way that they carry, um, or desktops in the way they carry phones. So in that way, that's a slightly kind of cheeky answer, I suppose. But the reason I didn't go the Facebook route, and, I, and I've been pretty public about this, is when, when I was exploring where I wanted to put it, um, I could have done it for free. I could have put it on Facebook and it would have been free and cost me nothing and all those kind of bits and pieces. But Cambridge Analytica had broken. <laughs> and, and, and for anyone that hasn't watched whatever it's called, The Social Dilemma or whatever on Netflix, I urge you to go and watch it. We're all on Facebook. We're all on Instagram. We're all on Twitter and all these other bits and pieces. But they are, in my view pretty unsavory organizations and we're all addicted to them and, and I am as well that, that's that's fine but I wanted to control well that's actually not the right answer I wanted complete sincerity in that we wouldn't be sharing data and people wouldn't be scraping other people's data for nefarious purposes and I didn't have that confidence with the other social media uh, platforms that was the that was the Facebook thing, the Cambridge Analytica, and the other stuff that broke. LinkedIn also had a few troubles back then. But I take your point. I find LinkedIn groups very clunky, very difficult to use. Um, I also find that LinkedIn at the moment, maybe because of Microsoft, I don't know, but I'm drowning in passive aggressive emails from people saying you didn't reply to my last email two minutes ago. Why, why aren't you replying to? And, and all this nonsense of I can sort your company out. If only you reply to me, you think you know nothing about my company. So how now can you sort it out kind of thing? So I just didn't want to be an open social media. And then the other thing, I've been very public about this, is I find some of the behavior on open social media from people within our own ecosystem pretty unpalatable. Mm. You know, people have quite rightly, based on their experience and their expertise and their circumstances, have an opinion. That doesn't give it gives people the right to challenge it, of course, but it doesn't give people the right to be rude and aggressive, and um, well, actually downright nasty and unpleasant, as I see far too often. The great thing about Octal, from my point of view, is I've only had to throw one person off, uh, and I've only had to chide two people just to slightly um, amend their posts. And, and that that level, it's not that I'm censoring them. I just, you know, there's enough unpleasantness out in the world. I don't need it within Octal. No, there's loads of interesting stuff you've you've talked about there, Lee, which I agree with wholeheartedly. I mean, let's face it, 
not that it might, it will happen, but Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, they could pull the plug on those apps at any time. You could, you know, they could decide we're closing Facebook down, we're closing LinkedIn down. And, and if you based your community around somebody else's rented space, then you, you could lose that community. Whereas by creating your own infrastructure, your own real estate, as you say, you have control over that. And should anything happen to those other platforms, then you you retain your community and it, and it keep it and keep it safe. And and I agree. Uh, social media is so polarized, isn't it? I, I do find it quite scary that people aren't almost allowed to voice an opinion. It always has to be, you know, either you're either for Brexit or against Brexit. You're either for Scottish independence or against uh, Scottish independence. Nobody ever seems to want to have a reasoned debate in the middle, you know, and, and take both sides of the ar- argument without without falling out. And then the third thing, of course, is as you, as you, as you said, it's that you get a connection request from somebody on LinkedIn and you think, oh, actually their profile looks quite interesting. Yes, I'll say yes. And then within about two seconds, you get an email from them saying, I'm going to sort your business out, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. And of course, as you say, who are these people? You don't know me. I don't know you. Why should I buy from you? And I suppose within a enclosed environment like Octo, you effectively eliminate all of those problems. Well, you know, uh, I hope so. Um, I mean, within Octo, there is there is an in-mail um, or a kind of in-app messaging service. So I, I could talk to you directly in private. And we see there are thousands of them a month. Members are talking to each other in the app privately, and that's fantastic to see. We don't see what's in those messages quite rightly, but we see the number of them. Mm-hmm. So I guess... There would be nothing to stop um, a member pestering another member saying, why don't you buy my mega whistle, you know, Japanese widgets fund. But it tends not to go on, I think, because, you know, peer pressure is quite an interesting thing. So it's only it's only brought to my attention twice that, that people were feeling, you know, I, I'm not interested. The great thing is you can, within Octo, you can just switch those off. So if somebody's annoying you, just switch them off. It never happens. It's never needed to happen, but it can happen. So that's that's kind of interesting. Um, but I think, you know, behavior is better on LinkedIn because you've got to give your real name. You've got to yeah. be who you are and that kind of stuff. And Octo is exactly the same. And, and I think the great thing is as a community, and, you know, we don't want to make any great claims here, but communities do tend to kind of self-police if they're run well. Yes. And, and yes. hopefully that's that's what we've seen. And the quality seems to have stayed up. You know, we're, we're, just, we're just a kick in the pants away from 3,000 members now. Uh, from across the sector, financial planners, power planners, marketing people, I mean, you're on there, uh, people that work in and around the financial services arena. And we just don't see the bad behavior that we see elsewhere. I mean, I think Twitter is particularly toxic personally, but uh, I never ever could get into a Twitter discussion about politics. You know, <laughs> Absolutely not. And, and I think there's something intriguing as well about the Octo app. I mean, again, I remember when it was launched, it was, oh, what's this Octo thing? You know, and I remember emailing Kevin Carr and saying, what's this Octo members thing? You know, there was that little bit of buzz that was created straight away. And of course, in the social media sphere at the moment, we have this um, app called Clubhouse, which is taking the world by storm. As long as you have an iPhone, of course, it's not available on Android yet. And of course, it's invitation only. And, And one of the reasons why Clubhouse has gone absolutely mega global is that intriguing and also scarcity, because 
people know it's there, but not everybody can go into it because it's invitation only. So I do think that you had that uh, that intrigue by doing it by app as opposed to on a LinkedIn or Facebook platform. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's it's. I mean, as I say, if, if, in one way it was about ease because I I am quite an active type. I'm forever moving around and having it on my phone just made sense to me. Although because we've all been in lockdown, I spend as much time on my laptop on Octon as I did I do on my phone. So it, it was about ease. It was about being able to dip in, dip out. You got twenty minutes. You know, do you want to watch a little video? Uh, of a practitioner talking about how they go about their financial planning day or as, as you kindly just participated in our marketing and branding month do you want to hear from experts in marketing and branding talking about how you might do things you know as a practice owner and I, I just thought that that's just a great thing to be able to offer our members for free yeah and there's some great content inside there and and a, and a genuine willingness to share from what i've what i've seen from all the members now of course you do have some uh, journalists who are active within the within Octo and are actually helping to collate and put together the content. John Lapping's in there, Sam Shaw's in there. Was that a conscious decision to get journalistic media experience in there to sort of drive the content? Yeah, it was. Um, it, it, thanks. For, that's that's a good question because we we have a policy that's driven by members actually, but we don't have journalists, uh, we don't have regulators, and we don't have the public in mm-hmm. there. And that was a very conscious decision. What we hoped is people would have open discussions as well as private discussions with each other. And that's happening. But you know, you know, I'm a recovering wealth manager. You know, I, I'm not a journalist by trade, although I'm not a journalist card for, for various reasons. But um, so our, our head of investment content is Gary uh, uh, Gary Shepherd, who probably best known as as the the editor of Portfolio Advisor magazine. And we've got contributing journalists, Sam Shaw, John Lappin, and occasionally others. And the reason for that is they are the experts at writing articles, at at interviewing people, at getting getting under the nub. But we didn't want it open to journalists because what we really didn't want was, say, members having a discussion openly about a topic or or something, only to find it appeared in one of the trades on a Friday afternoon on a slow news day and embarrassed that member or their organization. So we asked members and that's that's what they wanted. And, and funnily enough, it's it's annoyed or irked, probably the better ones, irked some of the financial journalists because I'd spent 30 years talking to financial journalists and was and still am regularly in the in the trade. So occasionally they tug my tail about, well, why can't I, John? Well, it's it's a members community decided, the rules are pretty much decided by the members. And if they don't want it open to journalists, then it's not open to journalists. And Sam, Gary, well, Gary's Gary's um, an employee, but Sam and John are contributors, but they've signed terms to say that nothing that goes on inside the app can be reported on outside. So that's that's the nice thing, I think, that members can feel safe and secure if they do say something publicly, it stays within the, the confines of Octo. Yeah, what what's said in Octo stays in Octo. I mean, it, it's it's a it's a good it's a good thing because it gives people that reassurance that they can have a decent conversation without that fear of it appearing in. in I mean, I've been in situations before, you know, at conferences in financial services where there are journalists in the room reporting for money marketing financial advisor, and of course they want a story. But I do think that that 
sometimes limits what people are prepared to say, either whether it's in speeches or whether it's on panels or whether even members of the audience asking questions, you know, they don't want to risk asking a question that may provoke something that then ends up uh, being reported in the media. So I think it is good to have that safe environment. And and 3,000 members is is great. I mean, let's face it, financial services is a relatively small industry anyway. So that that's really good. That's a really good level of penetration. What, what were the challenges that you you had to overcome getting this to fly because it is different um well it, i mean the fact that it was different i, I guess was there was there was a fair amount of um um suspicion too strong a lot but a bit of people looking slightly askance at it going well what else this is it just is it something like facebook is it something like linkedin is it just you know another publishing model um Lee Robertson isn't he an IFA wealth manager? What else is he up to now? Kind of thing. Um, so there was a bit of that going on. Um, we, you know, it took us it took me a while to find the tech and to get that sorted. But really happy with it. Um, challenges. I, I guess the biggest challenge in the early days, we when we beat a launch, we'd about forty of our chums said, "Yeah, I'll come on and play with it and try and break it and that kind of stuff." Um, and then when we started asking people for content. The very first people, of course, who've got content are tend to be asset managers and fund groups. So it was too investment centric in the early days until we convinced the advisors. And that's from what that's the community I'm from. Um, um, they were a bit suspicious, a bit nervous. Why would I why would I write on there? You know, that kind of, last time I wrote on LinkedIn, I got a beating and that kind of stuff. So it took a bit of while to work that through. But now it very much is user-generated content. You know, members contribute, we aggregate and curate other people's content continually and love doing so. And our best read, and I say this with no word of a lie, our best read articles always come from advisors, always. You know, I'm thinking people like uh, Richard Fife and Alan Smith and Helena Wardle and, and, and Avery Murphy and other people who've contributed and are big supporters of the app, and, and I'm very grateful for their support. They, um, they're always read really well. And, and I, my favorite thing that I do day to day is, is um, interview advisors. That's the communities I say I'm from, and to be able to interview financial planners that, that I really admire and think do great things is just a joy. It's such a privilege. And those videos are definitely the most watched, you know, to have Victor Sachs and whoever else being interviewed is just, um, you know, they, they, they just rack up the views. I think advisors like to know what other advisors are up to. And of course, one of the bits of content that I like is the the interview that you almost, you usually have it around about five o'clock on a Thursday or something like that. And it's at the moment, by necessity, it's it's a virtual pub event, isn't it? Uh, you have a chat with somebody, there's a bit of an interview, a bit of question and answers, but everybody's on Zoom and they're all drinking a pint or enjoying a glass of wine. But I imagine that before COVID came along, and hopefully once the pandemic's out of the way, that sort of event will go back to being in real life. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's that's interesting. We didn't we didn't have an event like that until lockdown one, and and it was Alan Smith, you know, a big chum of mine. In fact, he and I spoke today about something else. But um, he said you should do something virtual. You know, you know, get, get the community to come along for a drink or something. So we, we thought that would be great. We did a couple; they went really well. Um, we get between depending on the night between thirty and seventy. Come on. Um, 
And we, in the early days, we, we called it the, well, we still call it virtual drinks, but we were, we were squeezing the, the pub analogies to death, calling it the Black Swan and, and stuff like that. But, but it, it's nice. So we, we have a guest along who maybe speaks for 10 to 30 minutes on a topic, and then we all chatter around the point, and the conversation just fizzles out when it fizzles out. We encourage drinking. It's not compulsory, but we do encourage it. And I think probably, and we asked at the end of lockdown, one, do you want this to continue? Because we sort of hoped lockdown, at the end of lockdown one, that was it, didn't we? Um, do you want it to continue? And the member said, yeah, we'd love it to continue. So we kept it going. At the end of lockdown two, we did the same again. And here we are, you know, had, had you know, the, the latest one last night. Um, and, and, and I really, really enjoy them. At five o'clock on a Wednesday, you know, between 20 and 50 chums are on there chattering away. We've got some real regulars. Nick Can, for instance, is there every week. Only missed one, uh, and that was because of some kind of hospital appointment. So we've got some regulars, and we've got the people that drop in and drop out. And we try to be, you know, we, you know and, and it ranges, you know, from, from really quite deep stuff through to two or three weeks ago, a really great one. Helena Wardle was talking about, you know, have we seen the end of the, the, end of the suit at work? <laughs> you think that's such a lightweight question. And it was a really, really sparky discussion, you know? So um, I find them great fun. Community is about community, isn't it? And if, if somewhere along the way, as people have said to me, I really look forward to them, you know, it, you know I'm in a one bed flat on my own and on a Wednesday night, I get to join you guys for a drink virtually, then well, brilliant. That's what community is about. I think it's very important to just reflect for a moment on the success of the virtual aspects of Octo and indeed the virtual aspects of, of anything that used to be in real life that has, has, has had to pivot for the pandemic. I mean, we constantly hear from government, don't we? Oh, we've got to get back to the pub. We've got to get people back into offices. You know, we've got to get people back into the centre of London. You know, I'm, but I'm sitting here and thinking, do you know what? We should embrace the successful things that have come out of the pandemic and virtual events like this, I think absolutely should they continue because let's face it, it enables you to widen the audience out. You know, I think about Protection Review, which is one of the um, people that I work with. If you run an, an in-person event, you are always going to be constrained by the size of the venue, you know, whether it's 300 people or 5,000 people your potential audience is always larger than that. And I think that what we've learned through the pandemic is that the virtual element allows us to widen out the audience. So if you can't make it to the Landmark Hotel or you can't make it to the the Dog and Duck pub, you can still watch it, listen to it online. And I think that that's a lesson that mm. I've learned and, and a lot of people have learned. And you know, I, I'm not eager to rush back to commuting into the centre of town every day. You know, I, I've... I've my eyes have been open to quite a few of the the advantages and you know environmental advantages i guess that the the lockdown has brought upon us yeah listen i i agree it's now listen i despite being an introvert i rather like other people's company um so would i hate would would i want to never meet other people at a conference again no um i, I would like to but i think as you quite rightly described, the fact that we can do things virtually, the fact that you know we're all worried about our carbon footprint and all this stuff now, we don't need to all jump in a car to drive an hour to a conference hotel in the middle of Sussex or Leicestershire or wherever, wherever it happens to be. So I think that's going to be a good thing. Uh, you're quite right geographically. You know, we were joking just before we we started recording about about different towns' rivalries and things like that. But if you can do a virtual one, then nobody's got any complaint that it's held in Glasgow over Edinburgh or or Newcastle over Leicester or wherever it happens to be. So I, I think I hope that the virtual stuff continues. And that's not just self-interest because we're not really a conference organizer. 
Um, but I think it, it is more democratic. It, it allows people to do more. I've never done, so, and I'm not even a practicing advisor now, but I've never done so much CPD as I have done over lockdown because there is such an, and I look at NextGen and I look at Langcat and I look at, um, you know, the publishers and what, what they've managed to do through quite a difficult time is actually deliver fantastic engaging content with great speakers at relatively modest cost, which benefits everyone. We're all learning. Um, and I, I, long may that continue, but I, I wouldn't mind occasionally meeting other people for a beer. <laughs> no, it's the it's definitely the networking part of it that I miss the most. I have to say, I don't miss having to jump on and get up at four a.m. to get the first flight down to London. I have to say, but that's one of the that was always one of the disadvantages of living in Scotland. So, so Lee, where next for Octo? What are your what are your plans for expanding the the uh, experience and expanding the app? Well, it's, it's yeah, uh, I mean, we're, we're pretty iterative. We've now got CPD, so we've got accredited CPD, and, and I'm really pleased because coming from the advisory community, CPD is really, really important. And we've done it in a very, very modern multimedia kind of way. You know, we've got, we've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of interviews and videos and presentations. We now do live events, investment live events, Thursday lunchtimes. We do tune-ups, Tuesday lunchtimes. They're not every week, but they're getting more frequent. Um, we've just done marketing and branding themed month. And, and as I say, you kindly contributed where we get a huge, huge bunch of, of content around a particular um, subject matter. We, we've got some more of those in the in the pipeline. Um, I'd like to get through 3000. We're just a, we're just a kick in the pants away now. Um, and, you know, it's it's it'll go where the members want it to go. I think that's the important thing. Members asked for CPD, we delivered it. Members asked for virtual event, uh, virtual drinks, we delivered virtual drinks. Members asked for uh, some live stuff, we delivered live stuff. So um, it's very much driven by the members, and that's what the community is about. You know, if, if that's what we want and we can do it and it makes, a, it makes sense to do it, then we will do this has been really fascinating, Lee, digging a little bit deeper into Octo and, and what it's all about and, and what it's what it contains and the content and, and the vision that you have for it. So what would you say was the one big thing that you'd like the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast to take away from the experience you've had, maybe not throughout your entire career, but with your experience of building this Octo community? Um, don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to try things. And I think that that's that's a really translatable lesson across whatever you're up to. Um, you know, don't listen to the naysayers. You know, quite early on, there was, there was quite a bit of that going on, particularly on a couple of the other groups, um, sort of mourning a bit about it. But I think stick to your vision, deliver quality over quantity, and listen to your, your membership, whether it's your clients or your customers or your members or whatever, but just listen and build from there. If they're asking for it, try and deliver it. Fantastic. Now, I'm hoping that people listening to the show, if they're not members of Octo, I hope that you've um, inspired them to join. But what's the best way that people should either get in touch with you or find out a little bit more about Octo and effectively get themselves into the community? Uh, well, lots lots of easy ways, really. Um, you know, if you want to email me, I'm very open about my email address, lee at octomembers.com. Octomembers.com is the open website app octomembers.com is how you join through a browser or you can go to the uh, Apple Store or the Google Play Store, Android Store, whatever it's called. I'm sorry, I'm on Apple. Uh, and you can download the apps there. You can join via an app or you can join through a browser uh, for the very, very round number of zero pounds. And that's guaranteed forever. <laughs> that's well worth knowing. That's well worth knowing. Lee, that's great. And I shall include all those links 
to Octo, your email address, etc., in the show notes for this podcast, which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF. Lee, thanks so much for coming on the show this afternoon. It's been really good to talk to you about Octo members. Let me wish you every success for the future. And I can't wait actually to jump on a plane at 4am to come down to London to finally have a beer with you in the London sun sometime in the future. Well, listen, I look forward to that. Listen, thanks for having me on. And, um, you know, good luck to each and every listener. I know it's been a very, very tough few months and I hope I hope they continue to prosper and do well. But thank you very much, Roger, for the invitation. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. If you need help with your marketing, please get in touch at rogeredwards.co.uk. I'd love to work with you. In the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business. Music